Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Martelyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Dorothy Hitchmoff, a nationally recognized, award-winning doctor, professor, lecturer, and educator. Hers is the voice that we need uh, at this time. Her expertise extends into executive healthcare management, policy, clinical outcomes, and health systems data analysis experience. Dr. Hitchmoth has a two-location private practice in rural New Hampshire, part of the Vision Source Network. She's a senior business consultant for Zeiss Meditech Global, and she's uh, retired about two years ago as the Chief of Optometry and Director of Optometric Residency at the Department of the Veterans Affairs Hospital. Most recently, she's been part of a, a movie, a documentary movie project um, done by uh, Dr. Carrie Gelb from Aldocs called Open Your Eyes. Um, Dr. Hitchmoth, welcome. Thank you very much for such a uh, nice introduction. So tell us about this uh, this documentary movie and how you got involved with that. Yeah, so I would I would have to say, you know, optometry has been a great ride for me and I've been involved in so many wonderful projects, but by far and away this has to be one of my most favorite. Uh, I'm so excited about the message that Dr. Gelb has put together. Um, Dr. Gelb and I have known each other for a number of years, and we share a lot of common um, practice philosophies to include um, a deep understanding about the importance of where optometry fits in the healthcare system and the importance um, of getting your eyes examined and what that means and what it can reveal. Um, about one's health. So because of that and our involvement in the Ocular Nutrition and Wellness Society, we both serve on that board, um, he asked me to weigh in on the film. So I have, I am in the film along with uh, about seven or eight other doctors. And in the film, we really talk about why, why is it important to have an eye examination? What can be revealed through that process and what patients can learn and then do to improve their life, their quality of life and their health just by going to their eye doc. So very exciting. He's done an amazing job and I really um, can't wait for the premiere. He, um, and, and we will say that this was scheduled to premiere at Vision Expo East and we're staying tuned to hear when it will, will premiere now. Correct. I mean, right now there's a tentative plan for Expo West, and I am an optimist. And I think once we get through uh, our current day crisis um, with COVID-19, that uh, life will return to normal. And um, all of the things that we look forward to will will carry on. And we're certainly going to talk about uh, COVID-19 more as well, too. But back to the to the project a little bit. Um, um, Dr. Gelb traveled the world to, to speak to leading experts, to, to find out what people are doing in various parts of the country and the world to improve their health, their wellness, their, their overall well-being. Uh, and, and he takes people on his own personal journey, too. What's, what's your contribution to, to the discussion? 
Yeah, so it was really, um, you know, Dr. Gelb felt it was important to visit all of these different um, communities and places in the world to get a good sense of how doctors were caring for patients based on their needs. Um, and so he um, was aware of the fact that I was very much involved in using the eye as a way, or as a window, if you will, will um, to look at the brain. Um, so I have a, an intense interest in, you know, what are the biomarkers in the eye that tell us what's going on in the brain? Also, of course, the cardiovascular system, but um, a particular interest in the brain. So um, he did actually visit uh, my home in rural New Hampshire, as did the entire film crew. Uh, they ended up actually shacking up at my house in the mountains because there's not, <laughs> not a lot else in the area. No Airbnbs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. And so, um, so we had a great time and, um, you know, we're able, really able to get some time in to talk about, um, about what optometry does, the importance of getting an eye exam, what it can reveal about these other things. You know, I always say that, uh, the eye is, the canary of the mind, um, and we're just scratching the surface on what it means to look through that pupil, take a look at the blood vessels in the back of the eye, look at those one million nerve fibers packed into the optic nerve head, and get information um, that might not otherwise be gleaned for years. I mean, this is a privileged view, in my opinion, and I certainly take it seriously. I know that many of my colleagues do, but I also think there's there are a large number of ODs who um, don't believe they're as important in the healthcare system as they truly are. I mean, we know that all kinds of conditions um, are clued through the eye, and they know this as well. But I think getting that message direct to the public, which is what this movie which is what we hope this movie will do, actually will help patients start the conversation with their eye doctor, will help patients actually understand that opening your eyes um, for your doc to see, so to speak, um, could tell them something. And that will allow, hopefully, a conversation behind the, the closed exam room door to start about, you know, what can I do about my health? What does this mean? And, you know, one thing that we know as ODs um, is that there's some power in showing someone a picture of their retina or a picture of their cornea. Uh, people really are uh, fascinated uh, by looking at their own body in this way. Mm -hmm. And when you tell them, see this right here, see, see how that blood vessel turns or see how it's oriented in the back of your eye, that tells me that you might be at risk for X, Y, Z, right? And mm -hmm. I want you to go back to your internist and I want you to get your blood pressure checked or have a conversation about your risk for diabetes because this is what your eye is telling me. And, and so that's the most fundamental um, thing that I hope happens as a result of the messaging from the film. And not to be overly dramatic, and this because this happens every single day in practices across the country and across the world. Eye docs save lives, right? There's there are times when we look at the eye, do a regular eye examination, and we see something 
that um, it could end that patient's life. And so being able to turn turn that page is amazing, but being able to prevent also chronic and long-term problems is um, a special a special um, special obligation that we have to 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 talk about and to intervene. Well, and I think that's uh, so important to to mention. As I as I said, you you are kind of a a, <clears throat> a voice for this for this time because uh, right now in the middle of March, it's it is a a, a frightening time or an uncertain time for a lot of providers. Um, they're wondering what. Uh, what to do, what the next uh, piece of data, the next piece of research, the next guidance is, is going to tell them and how this is going to impact their, their practices. Um, are, you, are you bullish on optometry at the moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm always bullish on optometry. <laughs> and I'm saying that, you know, in the context of this, this you know, very scary um, global pandemic that's really starting mm-hmm. to seriously impact all of the practices in this country. But, you know, like I said, I'm an optimist. I think we're going to get through this. I think that we're going to get through this one day at a time. And I think that the more the public understands and learns about the behavior of a pandemic or quite frankly, an endemic um, is is going to take us forward, right? I don't I don't know that anywhere in the near future people are going to not pay attention to infection control. This has has changed the trajectory, yeah. um, certainly in the U.S. and certainly in developed countries where we have all this access in second by second about where to do what to how to go how to change behavior. Doesn't mean everybody's going to listen. But um, certainly it's changed the conversation. You know, sadly, we lose thousands of people each year to the flu. If, mm-hmm. if, if this pandemic ends up reducing the number of flu deaths next winter by thousands, I mean, that's a real gift, right? Mm-hmm. So this is scary. It's bad. But for darn sure, people are going to wash their hands, use barrier precautions and all the other infection control processes that we know work that are, you know, there's research about this that's, it's rich. Um, And so, you know, that that's, that's one of those things that I I think will happen. Um, The eye care industry is set to explode. Um, and so I think that will happen in the short term. This is going to be very, very nerve wracking, I think, for practices experience, experiencing long periods of, of downtime um, or having to close. You know, that's happening in my area here now, despite our somewhat uh, more isolated, though nobody's isolated in this location. They're going to get through this. I'm really confident that our industry partners are going to step up. People that have, for example, equipment leases probably and hopefully can defer those. There are all these unemployment opportunities that practices can take care of. I mean, we're in this together. Um, you know, I guess since we're doing this interview, I, I can't resist but to put a call out to my colleagues, you know, and say, hey, you know, if there is somebody new in practice, young in practice, or you've just sold your practice to someone and you know that this is a more... Uh, risky time for them, or they have a, a different opportunities with their cash flow, you know, we can step in and help with this for sure. Um, so I encourage my colleagues to do that and have conversations. I know 
our local group of uh, practices in the bi-state region, which is about 40, we're in continuous contact every day, just trying to help each other get through this. So um, I'm completely enamored by how people have come together. Yeah, I suppose I could talk about this all day long. This is like um, therapy. I, I've noticed a lot of people have a need to talk about it. But, you know, as Winston Churchill says, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's what's also interesting is, is um, and, and this kind of ties in the um, ideas from uh, the, the, the documentary, Open Your Eyes, the, the uh, breadth of your own experience. Um, optometry is certainly, uh, and many people are already practicing this way, but it's much more than refractive eye care. Do, do you think that the, the patient population is catching on to that? I think so. I think um, the more that optometrists are convinced about their position in the healthcare system, the more patients will understand it. Um, and of course, that's one of the, the key objectives of the film is to get the message direct to consumers so that they understand. As I said earlier, um, I think that's one of the most important things. But yeah, I would love to see more of my colleagues engage in, in holistic care. You know, mm -hmm. every, every optometrist practices medical optometry. I know that's a term that's been thrown around and I, I hear a lot of conversations um, on on webinars, in public forums, podcasts like this one. And I keep hearing that term medical optometry. Everybody does this every day. You know, how much they do it or what is demanded by their patient population is a little bit different. But the mm -hmm. opportunity to provide holistic medical care is enormous. Um, I think that if you're not, if you're an OD and you're not having a conversation right now, for example, about diabetes, obesity, and a healthy diet, then that's probably not, um, you're not doing your, your patients a service, right? We know that just those two maladies um, are responsible for, um, or, or the leading cause of blindness, I should say, is in the U.S. is from diabetes. Like, how can we not have a conversation with the patient in every decade, right? Whether they're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or 80 about their risk for diabetes, what they can do, because it's also one of the most preventable um, or the preventing blindness from diabetes we know can be accomplished. Preventing blindness and vision loss macular degeneration we know can be accomplished um, and likewise with other leading causes of vision loss and blindness however you have to have that conversation very early not very early but but not when a patient is 60 or 70 or 100 but when they're 20 and 30 and 40 and guess who sees those patients you know, mm -hmm. most of the primary eye care and routine care, although I don't like that word either, to me, there's no such thing as routine care um, because you're providing uh, health education and you have an opportunity to talk about prevention. Um, so it's the wellness care that actually is more important, in my view, than what people um, like me do in everyday clinical practice, right? You know, 
I'm, I'm humbled every single day when I see a patient who has moderate or more advanced stage macular degeneration, for example. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, I think some of us think, oh, well, you know, there's this interesting feature of this case and this is how I intervened. And, you know, perhaps we could pat ourselves on the back. But really, I would be much more at peace and um, happier uh, knowing that um, I had a conversation with um, their children or their grandchildren about how not to have the same pathway. Um, I have that conversation with patients all the time. I recruit every single grandparent with macular degeneration to be the health uh, interventionist in their own family, right? So my questions to them maybe are slightly different, um, but, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Um, Do you talk, do your children know that you have this? Almost emphatic no, do they smoke? Do they eat their fruits and veggies? Because if not, they are at risk for having happened to them what has happened to you. Well, that that resonates with patients. That resonates. And so what an opportunity. Um, but likewise, when you ask the younger patients, do you have a mom or dad with XYZ? Are you sure? You're Northern European descent. You have blue eyes. You're overweight. You don't eat a fruit and vegetable ever. You know, those are the kinds of things that conversations that we need to have um, but yeah, I think I answered the question. I, I'm clearly passionate about how we go about doing this, why we need to do it, and um, how important it is to take that seriously, especially right now. So in, in this, um, these weeks of uh, <clears throat> social distancing, do you, do you see opportunities for optometry to, to provide some of these services without necessarily this, this face-to-face in-office contact? A hundred percent. And to me, this is another silver lining. Um, I think this clearly will accelerate the conversation about telemedicine and also continuous care, right? So I, I think that continuous care is a term you don't hear as often as telemedicine, but that's in a lot of ways what telemedicine is or telehealth. So imagine being able to get a daily or weekly report from a patient about a patient's visual function that has macular degeneration. Imagine mm-hmm. getting an alert about that patient's vision change immediately. Um, that would be an amazing thing. And there's actually a company that has such a device. Um, and I prescribe it to patients on a regular basis because um, we know that if we intervene quickly, when a patient goes, for example, from dry macular degeneration to wet macular degeneration, we have a oppor- window of opportunity to help mitigate the vision loss. I mean, that's a huge opportunity. Right. Um, the rest of medicine is going to continuous care, getting, you know, having a home EKG, getting regular readings to see how you're doing with your AFib or having regular readings to, to understand whether or not you're at risk for being readmitted to the hospital because of congestive heart failure. We're going to be able to do this in the eye world. It's taken a little bit longer, I think, because examining the eye is complex and mm-hmm. requires generally um, expensive, um, very high-tech um, instrumentation. That is about to change. 
to the use. I mean, there are, there are so many patents out there right now that allow light in some way to be used as an application against the eye um, that will help us understand what's going on with the patient's tears, their cornea, their retina. There's company, there are companies right now without naming them, unless you want me to, um, that are developing um, products and have products ready to go to market. And, you know, some of these devices will um, allow you to put on a pair of glasses, for example, and choose whether or not you want to monitor any, any number of complicated uh, biomarkers just by using light, for example, um, against the eye to tell, give you information um, that will say, hey, you know what, this patient probably has high blood pressure or this patient or this patient, I say patient, I always call people patients, but they're people, this person <laughs> is alive and well, <laughs> um, they have X, Y, Z. And you know, who is better positioned to deliver this to the, to the public um, but optometry? I mean, here we are, right? There's, I think, 42,000 ODs in the U.S., um, and we interface with a couple hundred million people a year. Like, if that's not frontline care and frontline opportunity and frontline obligation, I don't know what is. So the future is bright, in my view. And as these devices come to market, which they will at a rapid pace, um, we're we're going to be there in those communities. And it sounds like... Um... You, you see uh, optometrists as, as really kind of a frontline player in, in that conversation with, with, with folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Optometrists are frontline healthcare providers. They're doctors who go through all the same training as all the other doctor specialties. We're independently licensed. We're embedded in communities in places where other doctors are not, which is the key bit of information that I continuously convey to public health officials, legislators. Um, You know, when you have an OD um, positioned um, within a 15-minute drive of 90, I think it's 95% of all Medicare recipients, that's a really important thing to understand. Um, It's a very uh, accessible and readily, and, and, and you know, battle-ready force, if you will, um, to, to thwart some of the impact of, for example, a pandemic, but probably more important, quite frankly, other epidemics um, such as diabetes and obesity. I want my colleagues to feel that too, and I want them to draw um, that energy from one another and, and you know, help our nation Get healthier. Helping the nation get healthier is is certainly on the front of everyone's mind right now. But but you think that we can sustain this this concept of, of healthier living and um, greater greater public health? I mean, maybe there there is greater awareness of some of these things as a as a result of this this pandemic. Yeah, definitely. And I would encourage my colleagues who. Um, you know, this is my call to arms in the present moment, is the more patients we can keep um, out of uh, emergency rooms, for example, or urgent care centers for the things that we can do, um, we should. So I would encourage everyone to at least keep 
a person, a doctor on staff, even if your doors are locked and the lights are off, just making sure you're supporting our emergency management system and our national emergency response uh, plan would be is really, really important. So I hope and encourage everyone to do that. My practice happens to be across the driveway from a critical access hospital in a rural area. And there are many, many, many other ODs with practices like mine. And so I hope they will support that effort. I know that they will. And um, I wish them all safety and wellness and health for sure. So be safe and um, don't forget about uh, infection control by any stretch. Dr. Hitchmont, thank you so much for being part of WO Voices. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WO Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.